You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 11th of January 2024. On Market Day, we will speak with Chris Weston from Pepperstone for his take on the day on the markets, including our top story of the day, and that's Bitcoin. The US Securities and Exchange Commission has approved exchange-traded funds or ETFs that track the price of Bitcoin, opening the door for investors to gain exposure to the cryptocurrency without actually having to hold them. For more, Raina Bosch spoke with Josh Gilbert, a market analyst at eToro. ETF is an exchange-traded fund, so it's essentially a, a type of investment security um, that is listed on, a, on, a, on an exchange, so typically a stock exchange. Um, it's a way for investors to get access to maybe commodities, to uh, different geographical locations, all in a simply uh, traded product. Um, and in the case of Bitcoin, it's an on-ramp for decentralized finance to traditional finance. It's Probably the biggest mainstream moment that we've seen for Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, essentially, we're, we're sort of taking crypto and it arrives onto sort of Wall Street, if you like. Um, these are sort of the rails that institutions have waited for. Um, whilst we've actually seen retail investors owning this asset uh, over the last sort of 15 years. And it's significant because it opens the doors to trillions of dollars of capital from the institutional world. So think pensions, SMSFs, advisors, uh, and so on. So then when we're talking about investors and the actual tangible impact here, what does this mean for them? So it's essentially, as I say, an, an on-ramp, an easier way for people to sort of own crypto. Crypto has previously been known in the past as, as a difficult asset to own. Um, it hasn't been a regulated asset in the past, whereas now we're going to see a product that is regulated by the US SEC, who is you know, probably the biggest regulator uh, in the world. So it's, it's a case for uh, those big names that we sort of are seeing apply for these ETFs, such as BlackRock, Fidelity, um, iShares, these sort of companies are going to be sort of launching their ETFs. And, and it sort of gives those institutions um, the ability to own this asset in a regulated way, which it hasn't been able to in the past. So we know that Bitcoin is kind of the biggest player when you look at cryptocurrency as a whole. Does this help to legitimize it? And what does it mean for other cryptos? Yeah, well, look, it's absolutely good news for crypto markets. Um, and it is supportive of our belief that Bitcoin and crypto is an unstoppable sort of technology. And we do see this as a bit of a tip of the hat from US regulators to crypto assets um, and will undoubtedly build trust within the space. Um, and I think today's decision is is sort of really compelling example of why there doesn't need to sort of be a battle between, you know, traditional finance versus decentralized finance, but rather sort of working together. uh, And that will help bring financial empowerment to sort of more people across the world. Now, we've heard some, I suppose, standoffish comments from members of the SEC with respect to this decision. In your opinion, what are the associated risks with this? Look, it's a good question. I mean, you know, crypto has undoubtedly been a high risk asset over years gone by. Um, it is one still a very, you know, young asset. Uh, you know, it's only been in existence for, you know, around sort of 15 or so years. Uh, so when we compare that to sort of other traditional finance products, it is still very new. And that volatility uh, is something that, you know, is unlikely to go away in the sort of the short term. You know, outside of maybe those bigger assets, we do have other uh, sort of altcoins per se that do come with, a, again, that high level of risk. Um, 
uh, and we have seen in the past that there have you know been plenty of volatility. We had uh, some issues in sort of 2021 as well around um, you know assets uh, and sort of assets collapsing and, and things like that as well. So again, there is still risk to this asset class, uh, and it's nice to see the SE still sort of still providing that that sort of warning there. Uh, but it's great to see, you know, ultimately this being recognized uh, by, you know, financial regulators as a product that retail investors want to own. We've seen that for many, many years. It, retail investors want to own it and they have done in, in droves. So it's great to see regulators actually saying, OK, let's regulate a product that will allow investors to feel more comfortable owning that. So you're obviously well embedded in the game. I guess the question is, what has the response been in terms of Bitcoin itself um, from the traders that are currently kind of owning it and other people who are kind of looking in and and responding to this decision? Yeah, so I think undoubtedly this has had uh, you know a huge impact on the the space, and everyone is is very you know welcome to this decision. It's been something that um, you know anyone within crypto has been sort of longing for 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 sort of many many years. In terms of the actual reaction to the Bitcoin price, what we've seen in the last sort of few days, it's been a little bit muted. Uh, that probably comes from the false acceptance news that we got yesterday but also the general expectation that we would see an approval of this asset. You know, Bitcoin rose by 150% in 2023 on that expectation that we would sort of get this approval. So again, there's plenty of optimism that this is only the start of something, uh, you know, really fantastic for this asset. That is Josh Gilbert from eToro speaking with Rainer Bosch. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The broader Australian share market, which rose today, the S&P ASX 200 up half a percent to 7,506 for his reaction on the day's market action, including that of that Bitcoin ETF. I spoke with Chris Weston, head of research at Pepperstone. Well, I think there's a, a feel-good factor going through regional markets across uh, across Asia at the moment. I wouldn't say there's one sp- specific piece of news. I think people are sort of getting excited that we could get a low US CPI print in the session ahead. And obviously that accelerates the the, the situation we're going to see for rate cuts coming through potentially as early as March. Uh, the Fed are talking about potential balance sheet or quantitative tightening, um, you know, finishing earlier. And all these factors increase liquidity in market. But I mean, if we have a look at China, China's had a bit of a rebound. It's been in the doldrums recently. The market's up about one and a half percent. Japan is absolutely flying at the moment. That market just can't be stopped. It's broken out. It's, it's having a really strong move up about 2%, 50% extra you know, volumes more than we would usually see. Uh, so Japan's absolutely flying. And I think as a result, we're just taking in some of that, that sentiment from around the region. Just a question without notice on Japan, since you mentioned it. Do, do you know what's driving all that positive sentiment there? Because it broke through 35,000 points for the first time since, I think, 1990. Yeah, there's a number of factors. Um, I think, firstly, a lot of international flows are going there because it's going up. I mean, a lot of people are mandated to buy things that are strong, and that's really where the outperformance is. We also need to remember that Japan is, the Nikkei is priced, and the topics is priced in the yen, and the yen's been weak. So, of course, you know, markets are going to go up in the in the weakest currency. So I think that the, the currency effect has been in there. There's a lot of Japan funds which are having a pretty good return on equity, and, and they're doing big buybacks as well. I mean, this is part of the reason Warren Buffett last year famously got into Japanese stocks because they are giving returning so much share, share cash to shareholders. But also probably the big one there is that they're still very much the easiest central bank by far. There's no other central bank on the planet that has a policy 
like those at the moment. And capital is always going to go into a place which is supporting equity prices through you know very very easy monetary policy settings. And there's really you know every time we get news coming out, they push back on the notion that we're going to see interest rate hikes anytime soon. And of course, that's why we're seeing the capital flows there. Another big story today is the US SEC approving the first Bitcoin ETF. What do you make of it? Well, I think it gives a, a really strong avenue for you know, specifically US investment advisors um, to be able to push this to their clients as potentially a diversifier. I mean, we know that crypto, Bitcoin, if we take that as the, the, the talisman and also Ethereum, but in this case of Bitcoin, it has a very low correlation with the S&P and with bond markets. I know it's rising a little bit, but those co- low correlations are why investment advisors will say to people that, you know, this is an asset that you can have. It's obviously carries more risk. Um, but they never really had a vehicle before. They couldn't push the futures to their to their to their wealth management clients. Um, they couldn't push the underlying um, Bitcoin to physical Bitcoins to clients either. But because Bitcoin here is is going to be managed and there's a custodian Coinbase and and you're going to see these big issuers who are going to do a lot of the compliance and surveillance work around that, which is why Gary Gensler and the SEC have allowed this. Um, because of those compliance mandates, uh, they are now legitimately allowed to go and push these products to people as a mainly as a, as a portfolio diversifier. Um, but for people who want to take a bit more risk in those portfolios, you know, people can get in there. So I think this does legitimize it. It increases the adoption story a bit um, for people who want to speculate on, on the currency. But I think, yeah, as a your job as an investment advisor in, in, in America specifically um, is to lower the variance in the portfolio, to, to spread the diversification and by the best way to do that is is to lower the correlations, and that's where Bitcoin comes in very very well here. So, from my understanding, it's just a, a small handful number of um, funds at the moment. Um, what kind of an impact could it have on the broader investment space? Do you think because some money has to come from somewhere to go into these funds, are there losers as a result? Well, we, we do remember that, that there's so much so much talk of the cash on the sidelines, and, and that's part of the reason the equity story is there. But yeah, of course, there's a finite amount of cash that can go around. And I think we always go back to the, the idea about in a multi-asset portfolio that, that you know, gold has a five, maybe at most 10% allocation in that. And I think at some stage, that's where we're going to see Bitcoin. You could see a situation where Bitcoin could be looking at two, two and a half, maybe 5% of the portfolio goes in there. Um, but I think with the ETF space that you are going to see inflows into ETF, it's probably going to be the most inflows into any ETF ever produced on the first day of listing. Um, that said, I think we'd probably likely to see the Bitcoin price fall in the short term because of a sell the fact situation. Um, but I think there's, you know, I think I think we will get to a world where adoption will increase. Um, but ultimately, I think you're probably going to get a world where in a multi-asset portfolio with fixed income bonds, and with equity, with gold, credit, I think you're probably looking at Bitcoin in the future, maybe having two and a half, maybe five percent weighting in that portfolio there. Chris Weston there from Pepperstone. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.